Hello, and welcome to the Gravel Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Dalton. This week's podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the all-in-one daily drink to support better health and peak performance. Now, please tell me you've gone over to athleticgreens.com slash thegravelride to check this product out. As I mentioned before, I've been using it for a few years, and it's a complex blend of 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients really gives me some peace of mind that I'm getting on top of some of my nutritional requirements every day. As a gravel cyclist who tends to go deeper than maybe I have the fitness for, I really appreciate Athletic Greens' ability to kind of pick me up and support my daily dietary needs. With things like zinc for muscle recovery and better sleep, magnesium for nervous system recovery and function, and even beets and ginger, ginger helping to reduce inflammation and beets to help improve circulation and speed up recovery, I feel like every glass is pointing me in the right direction. So whether you're looking to boost your energy levels, support your immune system, or address gut health, now's the perfect time to try Athletic Greens for yourself. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash thegravelride to claim a special offer just for our podcast listeners. You're going to receive a free D3K2 wellness bundle with your first purchase. That's a one-year supply of vitamin D added to the delicious comprehensive daily all-in-one drink. Again, to claim that offer, just visit athleticgreens.com slash thegravelride. Now let's talk about this week's guest, Gabriel Benjamin. Gabriel is a cyclist and a yoga teacher that I invited on board to talk about yoga for cyclists. Like many during the pandemic, I've sort of sought out ways to just be better to myself. Yoga was one of the things that came up along with meditation, and I really wanted to get my yoga advice, if you will, from someone who was an actual cyclist. So I discovered Gabriel's work online and later discovered he's got DVDs and all kinds of stuff focused on yoga for cyclists. Additionally, he started to provide personalized yoga instruction videos privately for clients, which really appealed to me because I do feel like as gravel cyclists, we're taking a different type of abuse maybe than a general cyclist. So it was great to get Gabriel's opinion on the types of things I could do in a short amount of time to really improve my body function in support of my goal of being a better gravel cyclist. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Gabriel. I hope you take a lot out of it. The great message that I took away was just do a little. A little can really do a long way. A lot of times the idea of yoga gets wrapped up in I've got to travel to a yoga studio. I've got to dress a certain way. And the, and the class may not necessarily meet my needs as a cyclist. But today we're kind of in the golden age of content and we're able to kind of get personalized recommendations that really work for us from the comfort of our own home. So I'm really hoping to adapt and adopt a yoga regime that embraces this. Let's just do 10, 20 minutes every day rather than thinking we need to go out and do a block at once. And I think Gabriel does a really good job of espousing that idea and kind of embracing newer athletes into the idea of yoga and how it can support you as a cyclist. So with that, let's jump right into my conversation with Gabriel. Gabriel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Craig. I'm I'm excited to dig in. As you know, I've I've sort of dabbled in yoga for a long time, but by no means have 
hasn't really been part of my weekly athletic practice. But we always like to start out by learning a little bit about your history as a cyclist. And in this case, I'd love to learn about kind of how you discovered yoga and how the two blend together for you. Right on. Um, well, I've been cycling for quite a while. Um, I was never really an athlete as a kid. I was kind of um, unhealthy and a little chubby and asthmatic. Um, but I played a little bit of tennis and I wasn't very good, but I wanted to get more fit. So I took up um, cycling just on my mountain bike, just mountain biking like around the road. And, you know, I remember um, in 19. 19- 95 I like rode five miles and then in 1996 I rode 10 and I was like wow I could ride eventually 20 miles and and then in 1997 um I got so into cycling that I stopped playing tennis um and started to ride every day I got my first road bike uh, that my um my late uncle uncle Ken uh, passed down to me. It was super old school, like with just gigantic gears, you know, like the 42 tooth small chain ring and, um, you know, the, the brake cables that came out through the top and whatnot and lugged steel frame. And, and I just loved that thing. And I rode it every day from April through October. Um, and I was a senior in high school at that point. And I was, I lived kind of far away from high school and, um, so I was doing this 10 mile commute and then, uh, one day in the middle of October, I got cut off by a car and I smashed into the car. I hadn't really had, I've had a couple tiny little accidents, but like I'd never really had a bad crash. And I, I got really injured from going into that car. I, I cut up my face and neck quite a bit from going through the window and I broke three bones in my left hand. Uh, and I broke my helmet, glad I was wearing one. Um, and it was, it was a rude awakening to, to how injurious the sport could be. Um, but I fortunately don't remember it cause I was knocked unconscious. And as soon as I could ride again, um, I was, I was so into getting back to it. Um, and that was, that was telling for me for how much I love the sport. Um, so even though it's, it's not necessarily a great thing that happened, it's, it's kind of a fond memory cause I, I lived and, um, and it, if, if anything, I was just more joyful to, to get back to my bike. So, um, I rode a ton that year, uh, I actually got to do contract PE. I, the crash kind of made me want to quit school and they let me do contract PE for two units because um, the vice principal was a cyclist and educational specialist talked to them and said, hey, this kid wants to drop out of school and he's really into cycling and maybe this is one way we could keep him in. And I had an A-B schedule and I just cycled. You know, I was supposed to do 10 hours a week, but I, my shortest week was 11 and my biggest week was 17 and I was so into it. And um, they gave me two A-pluses, which brought up my GPA. <laughs> and it hadn't been so good at that point because I was a little bit unfocused on two-dimensional things. I really like three-dimensional things, which is why cycling and yoga are, are good for me. Um, but I, I just kept at it ever since. Um, when I was 18, I started racing road bikes. Um, 
I liked riding off road too, but um, I never I never did any events off road, just joy rides. Um, and I raced for eight years. Um, and a few years into racing, I was using way too big a gear, and I was starting to get really good and getting some results. And then I just started to limp because my my back and my sciatic pain was so bad that I just couldn't, couldn't even get out of bed in the morning. It was, it was awful. And, um, so I had been exposed to, to yoga from my mom who had been doing it for a long time. And she had me doing a little bit when I was 11 years old, I had done a year of independent study. Um, and so I did yoga as my PE cause I wasn't into sports back then. And I kind of took to it, but I never kept it up. And then when I was when I was older, when I was cycling and I was sore all the time. She encouraged me to to get back into it. So I did a little bit of yoga um, before I was injured. But when when the season would come on, I'd stop taking class and just do all the forward bends, all the stretches, all the leg stuff, but none of the back extensions, which uh, I never really liked until I learned how important it was to keep my back stable. Um, so because of my injury, I, I decided to take a teacher training, uh, never with the intention of teaching, but just to, to figure out my back because it was, it was so bad and so disheartening and it was, it was killing the thing that I loved the most, uh, which was riding my bike. And so, uh, I learned a lot about my cycling, um, my form. I was always getting out of the saddle on my right leg. And that was causing my right side just to be so tight and my sacrum just pulled so far against my iliac spine that the joint, the sacred iliac joint was just completely jammed and my uh, fourth and fifth lumbar were really affected by that as well. So um, in doing the teacher training, we went over all the stuff that I always avoided, um, hamstring strength, back extensions, muscle tone for the glutes and the low back. And I figured it out. Um, and it's not that my back has been perfect ever since, but when I feel it, uh, when I feel the pain coming on, like I know exactly what to do to, to nip it in the bud. So uh, uh, very blessed to say that I've stuck with cycling ever since and stuck with uh, yoga to be able to keep that going. And you're, that's an amazing story. I love when people are like addressing their own needs through some sort of practice or or vocation even, and it turns out to be super powerful to get them back on the bike, and then it also becomes a huge part of their lives. So you went on to actually do some teaching of yoga at that point, right? Yeah, I, I got to um, teaching pretty quickly. Um, back then, this is this is a long time ago, I, I was teaching in 2000, um, and back then there wasn't that many regulations around it. And I didn't do a full teacher training to certification. I just did a weekend intensive and then I did many weekend intensives and eventually I, I certified in, in a bunch of different levels of practice. Um, but I was teaching for several years just substituting and teaching it at small organizations just as an intern. Um, back then the rules were like, if you were an intern, you could, you could teach um, so, and my mom, when I was 11, she wasn't a teacher, just a really regular practitioner. But then when I was 17, she certified to teach and not that 
much time after that, she's like, I need a sub. You took the training, go teach my class. And, and then her friends did that. And it just very naturally built where I'd sub a place. And then that teacher would quit a few months later. And the students had liked me and they called me up and they said, Hey, we got a regular slot for you. So I was in the beginning of my teaching, I was really focused on cycling and racing. And I was like, well, I need money. I'll, I'll do this to, to pay for my racing tires. And, um, and then eventually, um, I decided to do teaching full time. Um, because the racing, the racing never really was for me. I, I thought it, I should do it because I loved riding so much and it's a great excuse just to, to train, train, train. Um, but I'm, I'm more interested in helping people than trying to destroy myself and destroy others. So, um, that's, that's a bit of my history of teaching. Yeah. Thanks for that, Gabriel. Just for the purposes of the listeners, I don't want to assume everybody knows what yoga is all about. How would you kind of summarize the beginnings of the practice and and how yoga came to be? Um, well, yoga is a tradition that, that evolved in India, um, and for many, many thousands of years, it was just a meditation um, practice and, and kind of a lifestyle of sort of living in the ashram. And, and there'd be a guru that would teach, you know, just a very small number of disciples. And it was a very different life than what uh, modern yoga has evolved into. Um, so before there was uh, emphasis on postures, there's just sitting in either lotus or cross-legged um, meditating. And, um, eventually they started to do postures to make the back stronger. So you could sit longer meditating. Um, and in the last couple hundred years, they started to add more and more postures. It it started with, um, certain teachers in, in India, Indian teachers bringing in British military routine. That's what the, the common sun salutation is, is based on kind of a, military routine that was adapted with some yoga poses um and adding gymnastic stuff and and then just and then when it came to the west and and got um monetized then more and more poses and fusion things got added to it so um at this point there's still people who are doing that very traditional sort of guru ashram type of of yoga but at this point it's you know very much intertwined in the the health and fitness world um and there's a tremendous amount of overlap uh, with doing poses with a lot of functional training and things like pilates and and stuff like that um and and to the listener if if the yoga seems a little bit airy fairy to you and you end up um checking out some of the stuff i do if you don't want to call it yoga if you want to call it stretching or you know core and mobility feel free to 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 do that if, if that makes you more comfortable. Um, I mean, yoga can be a spiritual practice, uh, but what it is in, in the modern times is is completely up to the practitioner. Yeah, I think, you know, as I mentioned, I've, I've definitely dabbled in yoga, I'd say quite a bit over the years. Um, and a lot of times I get thrown off by, oh, I've got to go do a class and it's going to be an hour long experience. And I feel a little bit, um, embarrassed because I'm not very flexible. And generally speaking, every yoga instructor I've ever been in front of has been super generous and kind and understands that you only need to do what your body is capable of at that moment in time. And it's always been a very 
comforting place. And it's been something I've enjoyed a ton, but I haven't made it a regular practice. And it's been interesting as I've gotten older, just my body is screaming back to me as a cyclist that I'm probably not doing enough to kind of um, round out my body and my physique and the positions that I'm in. So it's been interesting. I've particularly around this pandemic, I've come back to the idea that developing a, a yoga practice and or stretching practice is really going to be critical to my long-term health and success as a cyclist. Yeah, there's, um, there's a great, great quote from a famous yoga teacher. Uh, and she says, you don't have to do yoga every day. Just do yoga on the days you want to feel good. Uh, um, but, um, yeah, excellent point. And thanks for bringing up about taking class and having it be the full, like 60 minutes, 90 minutes, uh, class is awesome. And if you're, if you're up for that, or if you're already taking class and I'm, I'm all about it and highly encourage that, but I also encourage, um, doing a little bit and getting started incrementally, just like you do five miles on your bike and then 10 and then 20 and then 30 and eventually more, um, approaching, uh, stretching and, and core mobility routines the same way works really, really well. In fact, diving head first into stuff that is maybe too high level or, or, you know, a little bit more than, than what you're ready for, especially if you're going to not rest, which the teachers usually suggest. And, you know, uh, you beat yourself up, um, in your inner dialogue over like quote unquote, not being flexible enough, uh, then it, it can be a rough experience. Um, and yeah, there's sometimes teachers are a little bit, uh, mean and expect a lot from students, but usually they are, as you put it, um, patient and compassionate and it's, it's our own, um, you know, inner critic that lacks the patience and, and compassion. And, um, for cyclists, you don't need to be super flexible to get a ton of benefit from um, stretching and doing the the muscle conditioning for your back that we lack. You know, the position for most of us, um, even the more upright versions of the sport, you know, like road and track and time trialing especially is like really flat back or like kind of flat down, flat stem. And then, the, you know, gravel and mountain bike is going to be tilted up more, but we're all still leaning forward and kind of rounding our shoulders over the bars. And so that position of the spine is called flexion. Uh, and that's one of six natural positions that the spine can be in. It's also designed to laterally bend and to twist and to extend back. And so if we're always just doing one of the spinal directional movements, then the spine becomes very unbalanced. Uh, and the muscles around the spine also lack um, well-rounded muscle tone to to have long-term stability. Yeah, I think there there's probably not a listener of this podcast who hasn't gotten off their bike to open up their garage and and felt like they could not stand fully erect because they've just spent four or five hours out on the bike curled over in the same position. So it, I, it's very easy for me to see that, you know, we need as athletes to be kind of going the other direction and making sure we're, we're flexible and we're kind of counterbalancing that, that flexion you were just describing. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things that, that you can do, uh, I mean, I'm into practical tips, um, for taking, 
things you learn from yoga into your normal life. So typically when I'm around cyclists, um, they're usually, when, when you're not on the bike, you're still using your sort of bike posture. Like you're slouching when you're at the coffee shop and, you know, you just have sort of caved in chest rounded shoulders. Uh, if you work at a desk, you're probably going to be doing that a lot too. So just having like really good posture, which feels good once you're used to it. When you're not used to it, it doesn't feel good because there's a lot of muscle tone you need to use just to, to sit up or stand up straight. It uh, feels like work. Yeah. Just, just sitting up like you, you know you should. It's total work. But, but when those muscles get toned, it's effortless. So, um, or not effortless, but it, it's, it's like the difference between, you know, doing a climb that, you know, you've never done before. Maybe you've never even ridden your bike uphill before. And you're like, oh my God, this is the hardest thing ever. And then you, after you've done it for years and years and years, you develop your rhythm and, you know, there's an effort, but it's kind of, you can get into a zone where there's this sort of effortless effort. And, um, yeah, having really good posture when you're on your bike, you have to do what you need to do to be on your bike. When you're not on your bike, though, it's good to not have the spine still be in that C shape of being rounded over because the, the spine naturally should have a very light S curve to it. Um, and that will keep both the, the low, mid, and upper back uh, a lot more healthy. Yeah, when I think about the position I'm in as a gravel cyclist, when I'm descending technical stuff in the drops, and I have to lift the bike, lift the front wheel over something. It's, it's a, it's a quite a tough position when I compare it to mountain biking with a flat bar, when you're a little bit more upright, it's just easier to get the front wheel off the ground. So in gravel cycling, I do feel like my low back has taken a lot more abuse because it, it's just kind of, there's more requirements when I'm in the, in the moment, as you said, like there's a requirement for me to navigate and, and throw my bar over a rock or a log and I can't get around that or I'm going to crash. Yeah. But, but I need to acknowledge that almost trauma I'm creating for my body and find some solace in some other part of my life to kind of get back that motion. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the strengthening process is a really interesting process because the body like literally like breaks the muscle down but then rebuilds, but it's, you know, the training makes us stronger, but it's, it's the training combined with the recovery. If you don't have recovery and with, you know, whether that's yoga or, you know, diet stuff, sleep, um, then you could train a lot, but then actually get weaker. Uh, I imagine with gravel cycling, you're, uh, you have different benefits. You can go faster, um, you know, on climbs, but then the, the bumpy sections, or if you're, you know, most of my friends who ride gravel usually take it on things that aren't designed for gravel bikes. And um, so I imagine a yoga routine for a gravel rider, including the wrists and shoulders and neck to, to address the extra impact, as well as the classic legs, glutes and low back um, would be um, a very helpful thing to integrate. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. And what I appreciated in talking to you and watching your videos as a cyclist that is a yoga practitioner, you also understand and appreciate that most cyclists are going to continue their training routine. It's going to be, we're not well-rounded athletes, most of us. We like to ride five, six days a week because it's such a passion for us. And your understanding of that and your modification of your yoga classes to appreciate, like, I don't need 
a, a leg heavy yoga practice because I'm getting a lot of leg work. There's other things that I need. And I appreciate that you as, as a yoga for cyclists can address that and not focus on those muscle groups and focus on the other things that I really need to strengthen my overall body. Yeah, absolutely. That, that was, um, one of the things that I, um, noticed when I was starting to introduce my cycling friends to yoga classes is they, they felt really good, um, stretching and just getting into some different muscles, but they, they mentioned like there's no quad stretches or there's very little, and there's a lot of, you know, quad strength. And I was like, yeah, that's, it's interesting. We stretch the hamstrings a lot in yoga. We don't tone them very much. We strengthen the quads a lot in yoga. Uh, we stretch them a little. It really, it really depends on the teacher. If you're taking class with a teacher who adds them in a lot, then your experience might not be this. But just from from what I've observed, having taken many, many different styles of yoga class over the years, um, there's there's a lot of quad strength, and um, which is awesome if uh, you can't ride. So like if I go on vacation with my family and I don't bring my bike over the winter then I'm doing quad strength yoga poses all day, every day. Um, and then when I get back to my bike, I'm, you know, I still need to build up my lungs, but my legs are good. Um, but if you're riding five, six days a week, your, your quads are thrashed. Um, and then just to, to roll into a class that's, you know, meant to help you recover and then just thrash them even more, you know, it's like, it's, it's a bad idea to, to get stoked on a recovery tool, but then just use it as another way to beat your head against the wall. Um, and, and, you know, cyclists love to suffer and they love to grind. And, and so people can get really into that and get really competitive, uh, even if not with other people, with themselves. And so, you know, one of the principles I try and drive home to athletes and cyclists in particular is um, do your yoga to get better at cycling don't do your yoga to get better at yoga. I mean, if you happen to become more flexible um, and get really strong at certain poses, then, then that's awesome. But um, you know, if, if you, for, what I did in the past that was a big mistake was I tried to get really good at cycling when I was racing. And I also was trying to do the splits and all these crazy deep backbends. And, and I succeeded at that, but I, you know, I, I overdid it and, and I paid for it in the end. And, um, you know, I, I, I applied my competitive, uh, focus and my sort of driven focus that, that worked for training for racing to yoga. And I achieved a lot of things, but I also injured myself doing yoga and, um, you know, got to a point where I realized the, the redundancy of, of certain attitudes. Um, so I, I teach from experience, you know, like you, you don't have to worry about, not being flexible. If anything, you'll probably feel really good in the stretches if you can get over the mental dialogue of that it's quote unquote not good. Um, and you don't have to worry about, you know, um, achieving things in, in yoga. The, the main thing I would encourage people to achieve is consistency. You know, keep showing up, even if it's just for a five minute stretch, a 10 minute stretch, five deep breaths here and there, you know, just keep showing up to doing something for your body. Um, because uh, cycling is brutal and, and very taxing, and, and I want people to be able to do it for a lifetime. And you need to you need to put something back in the tank, not just food. 
Yeah, I think those are there's a number of great points in there. And I think, you know, anybody who digs into the kind of performance training of cycling over the last 15, maybe even going back 20 years, there started to be this infusion of it's not all about the bike. It, there's nutrition, there's recovery, there's stretching, there's yoga, all these other things are critical components to your success. And I think sometimes as recreational cyclists that tackle big events, we forget that we need to be good to ourselves. And sometimes I know, speaking from experience, I get hung up, as I said before, on the idea that I've got to go take a yoga class. But the reality is we're in this kind of golden age of content. And I know I will put a link to your site and a lot of the great content that you put out there um, on YouTube and other channels for people to just kind of pop in and do, as you said, a a 10 minute session. You have the 45 minute sessions there, but doing a 10 minute session is just going to help if you can do that consistently. Yeah, I I would say, um, 10 minutes, uh, six times a week would be better for you than doing one 60 minute session. Now, if, if because of your lifestyle or your schedule, you can only take that one class and get the 60 minutes in, that's going to be great compared to nothing. Um, but just, just regular maintenance, you know, think if you think of it as kind of like drinking water, like, you know, you drink water to help your performance and it's, it's better to take sips of your water versus like, you know, get to the point where you're almost going to cramp and then chug a whole bottle. Um, so, and you know, there's, there's many ways where, you know, yoga is, is just like another form of, of fuel or nourishment, um, for our body and, and for the mind as well. When you go to, uh, a session and take some deep breaths, you get a lot out of that. In fact, if you only focus on the breath and don't even try too much in the stretches, you might get more out of that than the other way around. I would really discourage people to to huff and puff while they're trying to to stretch and do uh, muscle toning exercises. Um, and one other point I'd, I'd like to make because I'm when I'm discouraging people from being competitive in yoga, I don't want to discourage you from being a competitive person. I just want to say save your competitive edge for when it matters. Because I didn't do that when I was uh, a competitor, and that was a big mistake. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I thought was cool is, you know, when we first started talking, I, I learned about your personalized videos that you're doing for people, and and that was great. And I I'm, thank you for sending one over for me. What was cool is there was a back and forth about, you know, what were my issues, what was hurting, what do I feel. I'm lacking in flexibility or in my practice. And you were able to kind of come back with a short session for me that allowed me to address the things that are going on in my body. And that to me, I think it's like the first step in me integrating these little bits of yoga back into my life more consistently rather than holding out for the once a month that I might go to a yoga class. So can you talk about how you kind of construct those personalized videos Absolutely. Um, so when I, when I came up with my first yoga for cyclists workshops and and then I produced a a DVD, I was thinking, okay, what do cyclists in general need? They need work on their legs and their back and, you know, a little bit of core work, a little bit of bone density work, 
um, with things like Plank and stuff. But, um, you know, having talked to a lot of athletes, everybody's got a different issue. So whereas I can produce general stuff for the general public, and that's great, uh, if I really want to help an individual, then I have to, you know, work with their individual issues. Now, um, what's tight for you is possibly different than what's tight for the next gravel racer, um, even though you're very likely to benefit from some of the same things, you know. And also the, the injuries that we get involved in, um, you know, you have a fall and then the right side of your body is never the same or, you know, you always are doing this one activity um, and your left leg is stronger. And so if, if you don't focus on everyone's uniqueness, then there's only so far you can get with working on your body. You know, um, for some people, they just need a lot of stretches for their legs. For some people, their back's destroyed. For some people, it's their neck. Uh, I mean, I, I work with, um, high level cyclists and, and, uh, one of my friends who I did a video series with, he's been a professional road cyclist and mountain biker. And, um, he told me his neck was stiff. And that's why I sent him some sequence. And then he told me that now he could look over his shoulder on both sides. And whereas before the videos, he couldn't look over one side. And I was like, Oh my God, I didn't realize it was that bad. Um, and like being able to look over your shoulder, especially when you're riding on the road, yeah. uh, <laughs> super crucial for, for, um, safety. And, um, you know, so, you know, my, my neck sometimes is, is stiff. I, I've not had a part of my body that hasn't hurt as a cyclist, but the typical stuff for me is more like my, um, my hips, my low back and my knees. So I do a lot of, conditioning and hamstring strengthening and work on my ankles and, and different stuff. Cause it all comes from the ground up, but, um, you know, that's, that's not going to be what, what the next person needs. You know, some people are incredibly tight in their thighs. My, my quads are really flexible. They always have been. Um, but my, my groin is super tight. So it's, we're really all unique animals. And so we get the best results by having, um, you know, personalized, um, practices made for us. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it, cycling is such a repetitive sport in many ways that, you know, it's quite easy to get your body into a routine and a position because you're, you know, riding the same bike all the time that, you know, has some negative consequences if you're not counterbalancing them. Indeed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the, the mental things that, um, we, the mental traps we find ourselves in as well as, um, you know, we get into, uh, maybe obsessive thought, just like we obsessively pedal over and over again and obsessive thought that's beneficial, you know, uh, that drives us to keep riding and keep working on, you know, improving can be really good, but obsessive thought, um, where we're always beating ourselves up, um, is, is really, not so good, you know, um, and a little bit of yoga, a little bit of meditation, just, just taking care of yourself, you know, just anything you do to take care of yourself is really good to, to counter those obsessive, uh, negative thoughts, um, that we can find ourselves in. I I've had a lot of friends who are very high level athletes and you would think that they are, you know, 
perfect in every way if you just look at the picture of them in the magazine or this, that, or the other. Um, but really, the, sometimes they're way too hard on themselves, and, and it can lead to some really dark mental states. And, you know, in some ways, you know, high-level athletes are just as tough as iron, but in, in other ways, they're very fragile. And, and I would say normal amateur people um, could relate to that most likely as well. And it's just everybody deserves to take good care of themselves, especially if you put yourself through something rough. Yeah. I think that's a great point to end on Gabriel. I hope for the listener, it's a little bit different show for me this week, but I hope for the listener, the sort of point they're taking home is like, you need to take care of yourself in order to keep riding further and further. And, you know, your success at a, at a 200 mile gravel race is probably more related to self care than it is to the actual training sometime. So it's, it's all a balance. So Gabriel, thanks for shining a light on yoga for cyclists. I'll definitely put links to all your social media and your website so people can check out some of the great content you have out there and consider getting a personalized yoga video from you. Thank you so much, Craig. This has been a really, really fun conversation. I, I just wanted to ask one quick question. I sent you a picture to use on the socials of uh, a fire road in the Lucia Mountains down in uh, sort of Carmel Big Sur area. And I was curious if you'd been down there. I haven't. You know, all the riding I've done in the Carmel area, which I've certainly been down in that neck of the woods, has been on the road. Um, you know, I've done the sort of bike touring down Highway 1 all the way down to L.A. on a handful of occasions. But it's funny you mentioned that because I've been obsessing over this idea of creating a largely gravel route from San Francisco to Los Angeles. So I'd love to pick your brain at a later point if you've got any trail data that could help me kind of piece together some of the, the midsection there. I definitely do. And um, I um, just want to let you know one of my favorite places to camp is this place called Arroyo Seco, which is... A, you could you could use that as a starting point to do so many good both road and off road rides, and so I'm hoping that uh, maybe in the future we can uh, enhance our friendship and do a little uh, camping road trip together, and uh, probably throw in some yoga too if you're down. I look forward to it, Gabriel. Thank you. All right. Cheers. Big thanks to Gabriel for all the insights into yoga for cyclists and big thanks to Athletic Greens for sponsoring this episode of the Gravel Ride podcast. I appreciate you spending some time with us this week. If you'd like to support the podcast, please feel free to share a rating or review. Those go a long way in the podcast world. Or visit us at buymeacoffee.com slash the gravel ride to check out other ways you can contribute to what we're doing. Until next time. Here's to finding some dirt under your wheels. Mm -hmm.